Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. everybody. This is Sandra Beck, and I am so glad to be with you guys today. We're going to be talking today with a really neat guy. He's a mover, and he's a shaker. He's a man of God. And for those of you following along at home on your computers or at work, go out and check freeburmarangers.org. Now, I'm going to spell that free as F-R-E-E, but Burma is spelled B-U-R-M-A, and rangers, kind of like our army rangers, rangers.org, R-A. A-N-G-E-R-S.org. You can Google it, freeburmarangers.org. We're here today with David Eubanks, and he's got a pretty neat story. He's not your run-of-the-mill helper. He is somebody that I've come to really admire, especially doing my research for today's show. Uh, David, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Sandra, and thank you anyone who's listening, and God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, you've got a kind of a cool story about how you became who you are. And I'm, I'm big in stories. I believe we learn from stories. The Bible's full of stories. Parables are how we learn. Can you give us a quick snapshot of your journey of how you came to be who you are today? Well, I was born in Texas, mm-hmm. 1960. And so it makes me 60 years old now. And my mom and dad, my dad fought in the Korean War and then became an oilman. My mom was a Broadway actress and singer. They both gave up their professions, uh, in this case, oil and and drama, married each other and went as Christian missionaries to Thailand at the end of 1960 when I was nine months old. And we so I grew up in Thailand as a missionary kid and learned to ride horses and when I was five and swim and hunt. And I lived, we lived in and out of the jungle and in a rural area. And then I went to, I became a follower of Jesus when I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. And then went to, got a scholarship, army scholarship at Texas A&M University. Went there, was commissioned as a lieutenant in the U.S. Army Infantry, served down in Panama. And then I tried out for the U.S. Army Rangers, and I was in the 2nd Ranger Battalion. After that, I was in Special Forces as the detachment commander in 1st Special Forces Group, all that around 10 years. But I felt like that was, you can serve God in the military, of course, but God's kingdom is every piece and part, none more important than the other. But God, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. And I felt I had an opportunity to get out and see what happened. So I got out and went to Fuller Seminary to get my Master's of Divinity and be ordained. But in the middle of that, met my wife, Karen, a wife of 27 years, and also got a call from a tribe in Burma. Burma's next to Thailand. It's also called Myanmar. 70 years of civil war. Well, a tribe in Burma and Myanmar came out of the jungle in 1993. And right after I'd left the military and said to my father, because everybody knows my mom and dad, that they've been there 60 years now in Thailand, can you send someone to help us? And we're in a long war and we need Jesus. And they pointed to a picture of me with a green beret, which means special forces. And they said, is that guy Jesus follower? And my dad said, yes, that's my son. He said, well, we are warrior people, but we need Jesus. Send him. And I got a phone call 
from Thailand to America as I was trying to get Karen to marry me. And uh, I asked her multiple times. She said no. And finally, through God's miracle, she said yes. We were married in Malibu, California in 1993. And right after that, we went into Burma extra legally, which means we didn't use our visa or our passport because the Burma government's trying to oppress all the ethnic groups. You've got to go by foot or boat or another way across a border, either from China or Thailand or India or Bangladesh, depends what side you're coming in. But once you're in there, you're with the ethnic resistance groups. And that's how it started. And very quickly, we saw this war, which is now 70 years and running, over a million internally displaced people, millions more have fled the country. And I remember thinking, God, what do you want me to do? And I just felt, be Jesus ambassador. And I've helped one person only, they will be glad, and so will I. And that was my only plan. And we went in and we started to help people. Mostly it was medical care and also food, blankets, whatever, if they lost their homes for an, from an attack of the Burma army and share what Jesus had done for us. But we did not form a religious organization. Later, we called ourselves the Free Burma Rangers. But you could be any religion or no religion and join us. We don't pay you. We have over 100 teams now. We don't pay them. They're all volunteers. They can have any religion or none, sure. but they have to do this for love. And so we have Buddhists, atheists, agnostics, uh, Muslims, mm -hmm. Christians. Most of us are Christian, and most of our leadership is Christian, but anybody can join. And so we, we started training relief teams to go into the war-torn areas to give immediate medical and other humanitarian help and also to tell the story, what's happening here. And after about 20 years of that, we were invited. ISIS started their attacks in the Middle East in around 2014. And in 2015, I was invited to take teams from Burma. These are ethnic Burmans, Asians, but amazing medics, you know, 20, 30 years of combat experience, even before I jo they joined me. Then we took some of them over to the Middle East into Iraq and Kurdistan, northern Iraq, mm -hmm. to help people under attack by ISIS. And later we ended up working in Syria. We've also worked in Sudan. So right now we've got 100 teams in Burma. These are small five-person teams in Burma. We have a team in Iraq and in Kurdistan, northern Iraq, and then we have a team in Syria. Mm -hmm. And we go back and forth. I just came out of Syria with my family three days ago, and next week we're going to go back to Thailand and back into our work in Burma. We're right in the transition in America now for about a week. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, for, for many of the people listening today, we're sitting in the comfort of our living rooms. We might be folding laundry, working out at the gym. You know, our lives are so very different. And so when you say, you know, you're, you're helping people, tell me what that looks like. You know, you know, you talk about blankets. Like, I think we can all, you know, identify blankets, but what is, what is the service that you're providing to these people? What does it look like? Can you paint a picture? You go into these teams of, let's say five people go into a village and then what? Well, it's, it's different in different places, but for example, yeah. Burma, Burma is tropical mountains, kind of like the Appalachians mm -hmm. and in the mountains, very few roads. And those few roads that exist are controlled by the Burma army. So you can't use them. You're sneaking across them. And people are in their villages until the Burma army comes and attacks. And then the Burma army burns the village, puts landmines out, so that discouraging people from coming back. And the people flee, let's say, two mountains over to a valley. So we hear about that on the radio. We come with some of the team. Look, we have teams there. We have teams in every conflict area already. And we'll bring a larger headquarters team, join the local team who will guide us because they know their place. We don't. And mm -hmm. we'll, it's all on foot. We'll walk maybe a month, two months, sometimes three months walking with pack horses, with relief supplies. And we'll have enough medicine to treat at least a thousand people as our standard unit. That's a 10 backpack loads of medicine. 
and we may have some food. We may have blankets if it's cold season or plastic tarps if it's the wet season because our homes have been burned. All this is carried on pack animals or other villagers from nearby villagers who are volunteer to help us carry supplies. David, I'm going to stop you for a minute in the middle of this amazing story. Um, now, you're a former Army Ranger turned pastor, so you know the importance of of when people feel overwhelmed and they need to have, you know, some support. And if you're feeling overwhelmed right now, then guess what? You're a human being because there's a whole lot to be anxious about. I mean, we have this 24-7 news cycle. You can't go to the grocery store or get gas without some little screen blaring the news, even if you shut everything off. We've got the pandemic. We've got all the crazy divisive politics and, you know, the drama du jour. And we all need to take care of our mental health and work through our emotions with a licensed therapist. I have had a licensed therapist in my life for 16 years because I am a single mom. I'm a single soul supporting mom who takes care of her 87-year-old veteran father. So without a husband, without a partner to talk to, I need someone to talk to. I need someone to give me guidance and help. And thankfully, my licensed therapist is also a grandmother. So she's kind of seen everything, been everywhere with her kids and her grandkids. So she's really well equipped to advise me almost in a co-parenting um, capacity. So if you're a single mom listening today, that's a great, great source of comfort, help and direction for me. And Talkspace is making therapy affordable and accessible for all because we all need support to feel our best, especially as we head into the holiday season. And Talkspace has thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. No matter what, Talkspace will find you the right therapist to help you achieve your goals. Now, Talkspace is affordable. It's a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. So instead of waiting for an appointment, you can send unlimited messages to your therapist 24-7. Ellen, they will engage with you daily, five days a week. And now Talkspace covers 40 million people for online therapy through their insurance or employer. So you should go and check out Talkspace.com slash insurance. That's Talkspace.com slash insurance to find out if you're eligible. Talkspace has thousands of licensed therapists with years of experience in over 40 specialties. So you're going to want to think about where and what and how do I need help? And a lot of times talking to someone who's trained in the very issues you're facing is all you need to discover what's inside of you or maybe some gentle guided direction. And Talkspace is secure and private and it uses the latest end-to-end -end encryption technology to store their information and complies with the latest HIPAA regulations. So, you know, I can talk to my friends, but that's very different than talking to a licensed therapist who has the experience and knowledge to give me practical guidance. Talkspace gives us the support we need at an affordable price, and I will tell you, a really good licensed therapist will bust you on your own excuses and give you a whole different perspective so you can come back and be the best parent you can be or the best partner you can be. And as a listener of this 
this podcast, you can get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com or download the app. And make sure to use the code MILITARYMOM to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's MILITARYMOM and Talkspace.com. And don't forget, if you want to check and see if you qualify, go to Talkspace.com slash insurance and check out your insurance or your employer. You'll be so glad you did. For 16 years, I've had this wonderful co-parent who has helped me navigate the baby years, the toddler years, the now we're working on the teen years because my mom has passed on and I take care of my dad. And that's a whole nother issue. How I I learned to support my father in the grief after being married for 60 years. You know, I wasn't about to just wing it with my dad or my kids. And to have that expertise and knowledge at my fingertips really has made me a better veteran caregiver for my dad. It's made me a better parent. It's made me a better person. And my relationships are better because I'm not draining my friends trying to get from them what you can get from a licensed therapist. So as a listener of this podcast, get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. Go to Talkspace.com or download the app and make sure you use that code MILITARYMOM to get $100 off your first month and show support to the show. Now we were talking with Army Ranger David Eubanks and he is working hard in a lot of third world countries. David, I want to know how do you get the blankets and the medicines and the food to these remote villages? You walk in the jungle, usually in the, where they're hiding, there's no good trail because they're hiding. Right. And you go down a steep ravine, there's a little stream at the bottom, it's dense bamboos and all of a sudden you'll see people like, whoa. There's people here, here, here. They're all hiding, making little bamboo shelters and cooking the rice that they carried. And we come in and we say, we're with you in Jesus' name. We're no bigger or smaller than you. and We can't save you. But God sent us a stand with you because he loves you and we love you. And we're going to help you the best we can. And we're going to tell your story so that no matter whether it keeps happening or not, people will know what's happening because you count. And so just to be with them. And then our medics will say, was anybody shot during the attack? Oh, yeah, maybe three of us were shot. We're over here. And then that other person's already dead. And we can't, what can we do? So we'll have a funeral for that person and memorial right on the spot. We'll take the three wounded and treat them. Maybe there's five or six malaria patients. Maybe because they're all sharing this small stream. Now people have dysentery, whatever. Our medics will set up a little impromptu right under the trees, a little clinic, and start helping people, including drilling and filling teeth and whatever's needed. And then we'll go with some of the men in the village and say, where's the Burma army? And we'll creep maybe two days to where they are and where maybe they burn the village and they're picking up stuff. And we'll document it by taking photos and video to put a light on these evil attacks and to say, and we say this to the Burma army. I mean, I say this by message. If I said to their face, they'd just shoot me. But we say, we're not against you. But when you attack these people, it's just wrong. And we're going to tell the story. This is not the way to have peace and justice in your land is to attack the ethnic groups and burn their villages. So we tell the story, put the news out, and then maybe we'll stay two or three days. And if the people don't have food, we'll get on the radio and say, where's the nearest village that hasn't been attacked that has food? Can we buy it? And then that may take four or five days because there's no, no roads we can use. You send the horses back, load them with rice and bring them back and then go to the next place. And my wife and kids are with me on these missions. My mm-hmm. wife started something called the Good Life Club program. So after you've treated patients and, and organized the food, then we'll say, Hey, kids, we're still alive. God's still bigger than everything. 
Right. Let's have a party, man. And my wife will um, lead them in songs in, in the local language, in English, so they could always want to learn some English. And sing in Quran language or Burman, Burmese language in English. They do skits like the Good Samaritan, mm -hmm. share the gospel of Jesus. And then every kid gets a little shirt called the Good Life Club shirt, where from John 10, 10, um, God, Jesus comes to give life and life abundantly. And then little toys and play games and just make a day, a happy day. So that's part of the program as well. In the Middle East, it's different. It's desert. You're driving vehicles, armored vehicles, because almost all our vehicles have been shot up. And you're driving across the desert. People, there's Muslims mostly there. They're speaking Arabic or Kurdish, very different. But the work is the same. The village is like recently the Turks attacked in the Northeast Syria against the Kurds and against the Christians. So the many of the homes demolished and people are hiding maybe 30 miles away in a collection of tents. So we go up to them and we photograph what the Turks are doing or what ISIS is doing. And we write a report saying this is wrong. In the case of the Turks, they're NATO ally. You shouldn't do that. In case of ISIS, they're still around. You got to stop them. And then to go with the people and then say, what do y'all need? Well, we haven't had bread for two days. Well, here's, we get on the radio, call the nearest town. Instead of horses, here comes a truck full of bread. Mm -hmm. And it's cheap. It costs like for five big pieces of bread, costs 20 cents. See, and that's really important that you say that because we want people today to go to freeburmarangers.org and you can check their financials online. Everything's full disclosure and, and authentic. And, you know, when you look at buying some bread for 20 cents, you know, anybody listening today, please go to freeburmarangers.org and make a donation because that's huge. Yeah, you can, we can buy a blanket in Syria for $13, a quality thick blanket. So two people in the family can be under that blanket. So our whole family, you could buy, well, you'd like to buy, let's say one per person, but it's not that expensive. And then we'll bring in a truckload of stuff, hand out blankets, hand out food, get water. Our medics do the same thing right there in the desert, treat patients. Some have been shot, some are just sick. Dentists going at it. My wife will start a kid's program. Just on this last Syria mission, we brought a Christian couple from America they're hip hop artists and, and they were doing beatbox and, and they would sing stuff like Jesus, 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 Jesus. He's my heavenly savior. And you'd think the Muslims wouldn't like it. They loved it. They sure. loved it because you're with them. They've lost everything. And you're with them. We, we say, you know, we follow the same God you do, right. but we believe he sent his son, Jesus to save us. And he loves you and he loves me. And they go, Oh, that's good. We like this Jesus. And so we've never had a problem in any Muslim country because we go ourselves. My family is there with them. We take, share the same risk. Well, there's, I, I think, a difference life. in sharing your belief and forcing your belief. You know, when you share your belief and you're also giving hope, you're acknowledging people who have been forgotten. Right. Or feel they don't exist or maybe God forgot them. And so you're there not only as a, as a helper, but a reminder that we are all one. Right. And when you share danger, you know, listen, I was wounded four times in the Battle of Mosul. Four of my team were shot. One of my team was killed. On this mission into Syria, one of my team members was killed. That's terrible. Yeah. But, but the people see that and go, man, you're with us for real. You suffer like we do. And we do suffer. You know, I lost one of my best friends, his uncle to my girls. And it's a tragedy. But I believe that the things of this life are fatal, but they're not final. Right. God has... God, every, we can lose everything on this world, but whatever is truly precious is not eternally lost. It means you're going to see it again if it's really precious, which is people. And so we can afford to lose. When you follow Jesus, it means you can afford to lose. You can afford to take risk. 
we never want to gamble. We don't want to throw our lives away. But if there's people there in need, then we shouldn't say, oh, it's too dangerous for the health. No, there's people there in need. Mm-hmm. Find the safest way you can and go to them. And if you die doing something out of love, there's no better way to die. And right. I don't want to die. I want to be really old, <laughs> like yeah. older than this. But I don't want to be led by fear or comfort or pride. I want to be led by the opportunities that God gives. And so that's where we go, where whether we're invited to go to Syria or Burma or Sudan or Iraq, we want to make sure that Jesus is leading us, not us or not our love of adventure or our do-goodism, but God, we're small. We can't do that much. Where do you want us? Right. Right. Now let's, I want to backtrack a a minute because you said something really important. And I think as, as most of the world struggles with this pandemic or the concept of the pandemic, um, you said something about being ruled by fear, pride, or comfort. And that's one of my biggest, you know, kind of pet peeves with everything going on in the world. I'm not, I'm not saying people aren't dying from the pandemic. I'm not saying that it's not an issue, but there's lots of issues in the world and fear. Let's talk about fear. And then I want to talk about being led by comfort and led by pride, because I think most of us understand being led by pride. You know, that's pretty much clear for most people. But being led by fear and led by comfort. That's interesting that you say being led by comfort. So I'd like you to expound on the, especially the fear and the comfort part. Well, fear has a part in all of our lives and some of it's useful. Like you see a cliff, like I'm afraid to fall off that thing. <laughs> so be careful. But fear is gives you more information about what's out there but it's not your guide it's not your leader it's just a factor that um is that something i need to be afraid of or is it not i I need to look at this a little bit more and but i don't want it ever to lead me you know the bible never says be safe be careful never it's always saying things like have i not told you don't be afraid because god knows that it's natural for us to be afraid and it's part of how we negotiate life Mm -hmm. but he doesn't want us to be led by it it's and it's like we need all kinds of good things in life. We need good food. We need love. We need physical contact. We need these things. But none of them should lead us and rule us. They're just things you enjoy and use in the right context. And fear is, is one of these things. And so the Bible, you know, whenever you're scared and whenever I'm scared, no one needs to tell me at that moment, Dave, be careful. Are you kidding me? I'm already really careful. Someone needs to tell me, Dave, I know you're scared, but what were you supposed to do? Right. I was supposed to do that thing. Are you still feel you're supposed to do it? Yeah, then be bold, Dave, be bold. Mm-hmm. So we need to encourage you to be bold. It's not being reckless. It's one thing that fear does for me. It helps me check my motives. I will never follow it, but it checks my motives. So I'm doing something and all of a sudden a danger comes or a perceived danger comes and it scares me. And I go, oh, this is maybe really dangerous. Mm-hmm. So I need to be sure God is leading me. So mm-hmm. I say, Lord, I admit I'm afraid of this. But if you want me to do it, I'm going to do it anyway. But if it was just pride or a false sense of where you were leading me to some sense of pious do-gooderism that God didn't send you to do, then this fear is kind of useful as it reveals my motives. Right. Then I pray and then I try to look at my own heart or listen and go, no, God wants me to do it. Okay, then Lord, give me love and fear be gone in Jesus name. I'm going to do it anyways because God is sending me. So I'm not going to be led by fear. I'm not going to be by comfort. Oh, and my, my kids call me on this. Dad, you just got a phone call. Someone wants to pick you up at two. Them, them, they want you to pick them up at two in the morning. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. And they'll say, daddy, you tell us not to be led by comfort. 
Right. It's only comfort that makes you not want to go to the airport at two in the morning. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I better go. Or pride. You know, I'm going to go help these people. Why? So that people think I'm a great guy. That's a terrible That's reason. That's a terrible reason. Yeah. And so we want to be led not by comfort, not by fear, not by pride. We want to be led by the opportunities God gives. And when we are afraid, we say, Jesus, help me. Give me love because love casts mm-hmm. out fear. Make, help me care about those people I don't really care about. Because once you care about them, you're not going to be afraid. Right. Or your fear is going to be there, but it's overwhelmed by love. It's like any parent would not jump in front of a moving car, right? You're afraid of it. But the moment your kid is there, you will jump to save your kid. Did you lose all your fear? No. Your love overcame the fear to enable you to do something you normally wouldn't do for love. So I think nothing done in love is crazy. Mm -hmm. And, but we need to make sure we're doing it in love and make sure God's called us. I have a friend of mine who said, you know, Dave, um, in my life, there's a narrow path. To the right is a swamp of sin. Those things we know are wrong. We do them anyways, but we know they're wrong. So get out of that swamp. But to the left is another swamp. And that's the swamp of doing good Christian things that God never told you to do. You do them because you're afraid people won't think you're good. You do them because you feel others want you to. You do it because you're trying to earn your salvation and whatever. God never asked you to do those things. But the narrow path he gave you, the pleasant boundaries he set, he doesn't have a caution light or be careful. He's like, man, how much faith you got? Go, man, go. Right. And and then that's the path you're on and you have total freedom on that path. Well, and that's the path. I think, you know, that, that when you, you know, you kind of get your, your jets fired up and you can't believe how, how much you can achieve and how far you can go and how, how great life can be. You know, I look at those guardrails that, you know, keep us from going off the freeways out here in California. Those exist to keep us safe. We also have our, our emotional or our spiritual guardrails that, that keep us so that we can actually go very fast, effortlessly. We can stop we can start without a lot of fear of anything because you know babies are only born research has shown us dave that babies are born with two fears fear of loud noises and fear of falling everything else is something that we we conjure up in our heads either through experience or through watching something learning something and we identify what to be afraid of you know and when to be afraid of it And so when we take a moment, and this is one of the biggest things that I I hope people take away from today, is to pause. You know, you talk about pause for prayer, pause to think, pause to act. And in a digital society where everything is immediate, you know, it's amazing to me that you guys could walk for three months or you could carry supplies for three days when the majority of listeners today, no judgment, get frustrated when their Amazon package doesn't arrive in two days. You know, I get that. I'm the same way. You know, I I'm order the same something. way when I'm in America. Like, where's yeah. my stuff? Where's my stuff? Where's my stuff? Um, yeah. And I think it's good for everyone today listening to pause, you know, to pause with that immediacy and go, you know, am I grateful for my life? Am I grateful for heat? Am I grateful for food? Because what you're talking about providing for these people are the most basic of necessities, basic medical care, clean water, something to keep them warm. You know, and I look around at at the gross consumptionism of all of us that are in the United States, even our very poor in the United States still have a lot more than 
many people around the world. And so I encourage you, if you're listening today and you like what Dave stands for in his organization, go to freeburmarangers.org, make a donation, make a donation of any size, because it all adds up. And go ahead and check out their financials because they are online. They are available for your review. You can also go and and look at their ratings because it's really important that we are part of the whole world, not just part of our little tiny small world. And that's one of the things, um, David, that I really like about my radio show is that I get to visit with people all over the world. I get to see a glimpse of something other than my own backyard. When you look at your kids, what do you hope for your kids? You know, when I look at my boys, I hope that they're happy, but I also hope that they use the gifts God gave them for good in the world. You know, that's that's a really big part of my parenting philosophy. You know, it's part of my, my wish for them because I do think, you know, I've spent 35 years with the Marine Corps Toys for Tots. I raised over hundreds of thousands of toys. You know, I've, I've brought, you know, products, moved products all over. Those are the things I'm most proud of. They're not my education. They're not my, you know, my car or my house, all those things I like and I enjoy. But when I look back at my life and I go, what am I most proud of? I'm most proud of, because my, my goal, David, was I come from Buffalo. So okay. there's a big stadium in Buffalo where the Buffalo Bills play. And I when like I was 17, quarterback. Huh? I like your quarterback. He's a good quarterback. Yeah. Um, I sat there with my dad when I was about 16 years old and we were on the 50 yard line We had great seats given to us from someone. And I looked around and at the time they had 84,000 seats. And I thought to myself, cause I was already working with the toys for tots organization and running these events. And, and they were really good to me and helping me with my, my college education. And I thought I'm going to put a toy in every seat in the bill stadium. So my goal for the longest time was this 85,000 toys. So I could have, imagine a kid in every seat in the stadium receiving a toy from me for their own self-esteem, for their own whatever. And when I achieved that, that was more important to me than probably anything else that I've done. And that led me to larger or different philanthropic or opportunities for children, whether it's World of Children, Children in the United Nations, you can look these all up because our children are our future. So I'm going to ask you, what do you hope for your children? I hope, first of all, they follow Jesus. That's the most important thing. And they've all chosen to mm-hmm. on their own, one by one. They've all been baptized. One, two of them in a horse trough at a rodeo mm-hmm. in Washington state when we were home in the States for a couple months and one of them in the jungles of Burma on the tide of water in a stream. And all of them have a real relationship with Jesus because they met him. And that's the number one, most important thing. Second to find and do what they love, do mm-hmm. what they love and to not be led by comfort, fear, or pride, but led by the opportunities God gives not to be afraid of people, but to love people and go forward to learn uh, what battles to fight, what battles to avoid and keep moving. And th- right now I have two daughters in college. This is their first semester. And Suzanne is 18. So Haley's 20. Mm-hmm. They're both at Texas A&M. They're both good, really good riders. They've been riding horses their whole life. So they're on the polo team here. That's a new sport for them though. And they're studying nursing and veterinary science. 
And so my hope is that they stay in school as long as you're supposed to. You know, we just go semester by semester. God, what's your plan? My son, Peter, is 15. He wants to be a soldier when he grows up. He's already shot a bear, shot mini caribou. When he's six years old, he was hunting with a real gun. And he's super confident. He's the youngest guy to climb the Grand Teton and Mount Rainier in Washington State, Wyoming, when he was six. And the girls would have had the record, but he's younger than them, and he beat them. And he's a tough little kid. He, 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 he has many buckles from riding bulls, broke both his arms when he was nine years old and won and in Wyoming. And so they're, they're all tough kids. But the best thing about them is they love Jesus and they love mom and dad. You know, they've been homeschooled by my, by my wife, really not really home because we don't stay in the home. We're right. in the front lines in Syria or Iraq or the jungles of Burma. She's, you know, homeschooling in a hammock and in a tarp or in a bunker. And one time, though, my wife organized it for my kids when we were back in Thailand, which is our base, to go to a real international school for a month. You know, sit in the desk, nine to five, whatever it was, it's like seven to two, whatever. And they came home and said, Daddy, did you know that some kids don't like their parents? That's terrible. We love you all. You always have good decisions for us. I thought, well, we raised geeks. We raised complete geeks. And... Um, but I love them. And so I hope that they follow Jesus and do what they love. And I hope they li- that we all live long enough for, for me to have, for us to have grandkids. That's just my prayer. I love that. I love that. So everybody today, if you loved what you heard today, if you want to be part of the solution, not the problem, please go to freeburmarangers.org. That's freeburmarangers.org. Please make a donation, even buy a blanket, some loaves of bread. These are things that you will be so happy because they do warm your heart. They do give you a sense of, of, of comfort and love that we are all one. So go ahead, check out freeburmarangers.org. We'll be back again next week with another great episode. Thanks. And Sandra, can I say one more thing? Sure. Um, I have a book out and it's called Do This for Love, Free Burma Rangers in the Battle of Mosul. And so that's available on Amazon. We also have a documentary movie. that's also on Amazon. It's called Free Burma Rangers. You can get it on Christian Cinema as well, or fbrmovie.org. You can buy the DVD or stream it. So Free Burma Rangers movie or the book, Do This for Love, Free Burma Rangers in the Battle of Mosul. You got it. You got it. Everybody go check these things out. You'll be glad you did. We'll be back again next week. Thanks. Thanks for spending time with us today on Military Mom Talk Radio. We've got more than 200 episodes available to you anytime on iTunes or at our website, MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. We look forward to another great conversation with you on Military Mom Talk Radio.